0: Welcome to part two of the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. The second stage of the NAS journey is a roadmap for the progress that will come. Now that the systems are running as intended, the agency continues to increase its progress with greater visibility and automation. Agencies can move to a more dynamic, smarter partner managed system that enables IT through an integrated approach to security. Here, organizations can gain visibility into network traffic analysis and API-based incident communication, provisioning, and policy management. The next step will be to continue to focus on the managed network environment and what opportunities it will bring And once again, we are joined by Brett Bargans, product manager at Verizon, and Scott Anderson, who is a distinguished solution architect at Verizon, who will be discussing steps two and three in the NAS journey. And Brett and Scott, thanks for joining us again today. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Happy happy to
0: be here. Yeah, awesome. And Brett, let's keep with our usual flow like we did with the first podcast and would love to get your take really on the second step in the transition to number three.
1: Absolutely. So last time we just to recap, we step, talked about steps one and two. So one would be basic and two would be efficient. I won't cover the same ground on this call, but we're talking about going from efficient to enhanced, right? Step three, we'd say is an enhanced network. And what does an enhanced network look like? For connectivity, you're probably going to start using virtual network services or network function virtualization to a greater extent in your network for the connectivity. So getting rid of that hardware, that customer premise equipment, CPE. For management, you probably progressed on to using a partner for SD-WAN rather than just managed WAN, software-defined WAN. You might be using next-generation wireless LAN, and you're probably, again, for the management using virtual network services as well. For security, you've probably progressed on and looking at secure cloud solutions, Things that stand between your users and the internet to make sure that the traffic that's going over your connections is appropriate, not harmful, and also is keeping your workers productive. You're probably using virtual firewalls rather than physical ones, and you may have progressed on from endpoint detection and response, which is focused on endpoints, of course, (laughs) to a broader network-based managed detection and response For visibility, you're probably progressing up to application performance monitoring beyond just network performance monitoring. And finally, for automation, with your management partner, you might be moving on to full IT service management bonding, where your two systems, if you're both using ServiceNow, for example, are essentially one and the same. I mean, they're passing information back and forth quite efficiently.
0: Outstanding. Thanks, Brett. Let's keep on that thread. So if you don't mind, tell us how can agencies adapt their systems to increase their progress on their transformation journey?
1: Well, ultimately, I think their goal should be to remove themselves as much as possible from the business of managing and securing their network. As everyone knows, this requires scarce and specialized skills and is not core to the mission of most government customers, right? So they should be moving toward automation and management services reducing their role in overseeing their network performance and requesting network changes, and ideally through integration of their network through their IT service management platform and their management partners, ITS, information technology service management platform, bringing those together as closely as possible for a seamless management of the network between them and their, uh, and their management partner. Um, and this will come through making full use of that network function virtualization and software-defined network that we talked about last time, as well as optimized forms of connectivity, the right connectivity in the right places at the right times, both for primary and backup connections, and likely letting SD-WAN choose your ideal routing with network visibility tools for a deeper understanding of that traffic and performance. And finally, it's going to include making full use of enhanced security tools for tracking and analyzing your traffic, your network traffic, ensuring you have safe access to the web, detecting threats, and blocking intrusions or responding to those that get through, hopefully through automation.
0: Okay, great. Scott? Would love your take on that one. Yeah, you know,
2: kind of the concept I always like to tell IT leadership when I talk to them, you know, as you move up the stack, you know, the big thing, the big gain you're going to notice is your IT team is going to change. You're going to move from reactive to proactive IT. And a lot of organizations are like, oh, my God, we can't do it. We can't afford to have proactive IT. And the answer actually is the reverse. You can't afford not to have proactive IT. Proactive IT starts fixing problems before they happen. Reactive IT, unfortunately, is forced to fix problems that are happening around them. I One of my favorite analogies from years ago is an old picture that a friend of mine used to have on her wall years ago. And there was a picture of a gentleman standing in the middle of a swamp up to his neck in water, and all around him, there were alligators, you know, eight or nine alligators looking at. I don't think they were licking their lips, but they were certainly thinking, ah, lunch. Um. And the caption underneath that said, you know, when you're up to your neck in alligators, hard to remember your job was draining the swamp. And that's what reactive IT can often be. And that's what reactive networking responses can often be. You're reacting to a crisis. As you head down the maturity path, though, and you begin to look at how can we automate our network? And Brett mentioned, you know, you've got SD WAN and you've got the capabilities um, to look at and build a solution that responds to how your network is operating. I'll give you one really quick story to kind of end my response here. But I've worked with customers for years, and I've sat in the offices of CIOs, and they sat, you know, sat across the desk for me and said, you know, I've got five million dollars to upgrade these two applications, and I've looked at them and I've said, well. That's interesting. $5 million is a decent amount of money. That's you know, probably more than 1,000 developers if you spread it out over developers. But just out of curiosity, what about the applications isn't working? Well, the applications are too slow. Or the applications don't respond to the users effectively is usually what the CIO will say. And the answer to that question is don't spend $5 million upgrading the app because that probably won't fix the problem. You have to take a holistic view of your network. When you think about networks, they are the connection. And when you think about the modern world, what's the one piece of the puzzle you can't swap out? If you are today a customer of one web service or one cloud provider and you choose to go to the other cloud provider, yeah, there might be a little pain, but you can do it. If you are currently running around with an Android device, or you're running around with a laptop and you change to an Apple device, yeah, there's a little pain, but you can do it. If you are running around and you have no connection to the world, there's a lot of things that are going to go wrong then. So connection is critical. As we look at connection, it becomes more and more critical in the brave new world of tomorrow, because that's how we are going to get from those mobile devices securely to the cloud assets that we're trying to get to and back. Back to you, Matt.
0: All right, great. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Let's shift over and talk about challenges. So, what challenges can agencies face really when it comes to managed and professional services? And again, we'll start with Brett.
1: First, I would say they need to choose a quality partner rather than a low bidder. I know that's always a challenge with government because they have strict procurement processes, but they need a quality partner. There are a number of businesses that offer to manage network and security. Given the criticality of these things to an organization's mission, They need to look for a partner with a depth and breadth of experience as well as capabilities rather than a low bidder, if at all possible. Also, need to determine for themselves what level of responsibility they want to maintain, whether they desire monitor and notify type support, co-management, or full management by their partner. And then ensure that the lines of responsibility are well understood and documented in their service level agreements, right? Those things are going to be essential.
0: All right, perfect. Scott, any thoughts here when it comes to challenges? (laughs)
2: Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Challenges. Well, we don't need no stinking challenges. The reality is anytime you make a change, there's going to be a little pain. I spent years, let's just say more than one, because if I set the actual number, it's kind of depressing. But I've spent more than one year working with customers, migrating their workloads from where they are to where they think they should be. And no matter what, I don't care how good your system is, don't no care how perfect your system is, there's always going to be a little bit of pain. And so when you start talking about, you know, I need to do a corporate migration, we are picking up our current data center in Poughkeepsie, New York, and we are going to move that data center to a cloud provider. You know, right off the bat, you have the problem, right? The problem number one. When are you going to do the migration? Because if you do the migration during the day when it's expedient for your IT team, that's going to crush your network unless you have SD WAN. SD WAN is focused on and based on and built around the concept of having multiple connections to a location and being able to route intelligently traffic on the, the connections you have. One of the things that you can do in an SD WAN scenario is you can take your migration traffic and trickle it over the smaller or the backup or the LTE, or the Fios, you know, secondary connect or the 5G business connection, you can trickle over that and use your main network connection for the traditional services. You know, you've got your collaboration and other services. So, you know, that's kind of one of the challenges. And SD-WAN is kind of the answer to that challenge. But the migration reality is painful. Change is a painful reality sometimes. I think the other challenge that organizations Really meet. And it's funny, one of the reasons that cloud took so long to take off or initially, you know, 2012, 2013, it started to pick up a lot bigger in 2013, really taking off after that. One of the reasons was most customers today have their routers that they own. And so, in order for them to move to this new world order and move up the maturity stack, they're going to be moving from CapEx to OpEx. Well, you just can't do that automatically, right? You cannot drop all those routers that are two and three years old and, you know, have a router garage sale and sell them. But it just doesn't work that way. So you really, and I think Brett stated it perfectly, you got to have a really good partner, one that understands that the transition takes time. And the transition is sometimes baby steps. And it's sometimes, you know, crawl, walk, run. And it's sometimes a dead-out sprint. But you have to have a partner that's able to crawl with you, walk with you, run with you, and when the
0: time comes, sprint with you to get your solutions to where they need to be in the network future. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. You know, we did talk a little bit about technologies that can overcome these challenges like SD-WAN, but I'm going to ask this question anyway, and we'll go with Brett first. You know, how can agencies overcome these challenges and what technologies can help? I'd love to hear more about SD-WAN or if there are other solutions. As well.
1: Scott is a wealth of knowledge on sd WAN. So I'll let him hit that one, but I'll hit a couple other ones before. And I just to add on to what Scott was saying and to the base of this question as well, the partner thing is a big deal. And I'll talk a little bit more about specific details in just a moment. And knowing that it's probably not going to be a one-off change for an agency, as Scott mentioned, you're going to need a partner who can walk with you over time through upgrading your network that's something you definitely need to focus on. So aside from advanced network function virtualization and software defined networking, like we talked about earlier in terms of technology, other great things to focus on, your partner, your journey partner, they should have a solid management portal. That's essential, right? If you're gonna be managing a network with your partner, you need to be able to manage it well with the portal. And also, or if you'd like to use it in place, IT service management integration, right? Being able to integrate their platform with yours so that you can pass tickets, information, configuration items, policy changes, all that good stuff seamlessly back and forth between the two of you. The last thing you want are challenges, understanding how your network's performing, and communicating clearly to your partner what you want it to do, right? So those are essential, as well as application performance monitoring. Beyond your network and your traffic monitoring, you want to be able to look at the performance of your apps, right? That's what your end users actually care about. These are critical for your tracking requests and performance, right? So those are big things you could look at in terms of technology. I'll let Scott hit the highlights on SD-WAN and some of the other actual network technologies if he likes.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Brett. Scott, we'll hand it over to you.
1: Yeah, so
2: thanks, Brett. I actually loved your descriptions. Those were very well done. I think, you know, first of all, let's take SD-WAN. And, you know, sd or software-defined uh, wide area network or software-defined networking, as it's sometimes called, is always listed as one of the very early steps, you know, kind of as you're maturing in your organization. But it's actually also a later step in that, you know, you begin to look at your network as an entity. So I mentioned, you know, that the reality is we need connection. I've actually said this to a number of CIOs over the years, and, and it rings true every time I say it. And I've never had anybody argue with me. You can build the greatest application that's ever been built. It is fault tolerant. It is sitting in multiple availability zones in a cloud provider. It's sitting in two cloud providers and in multiple zones in both providers. It is the ultimate app. It will never go down. 100% reliability, which, you know, it is the mythical dream for all IT professionals. We want to be 100% reliable. This app does it. This app blows 100% away if you can go more than 100% on. That guess you can't really, but it blows it away, right? As my, old, my very first boss in IT used to say, you know, on a clear disk, you can forever. This app just never goes down. It's always up. But if no one can connect to it, it's useless because no one can use it. It doesn't have any value. So when we think about sd SDN is that ability to begin to manage how your organization does connectivity. How do we move traffic between locations? how do we route traffic so that our traffic doesn't impact the users, doesn't impact the servers, and doesn't impact how the overall network is operating? If you see a segment in the network this week using SD-WAN, we can route things around. We can change things up. We can take a look at, as Brett mentioned, we can take a look at the application analysis and begin to figure out what applications are chattering on the network that we don't really want to be chattering. I'll share one story from many years ago and the importance of this because this story comes from the time long before SD-WAN was available, but many years ago I was working with a major university and we were designing a directory service for that university. It was at the time and the rise of the great Napster program. For those of you who remember that program, Napster was a music sharing app and it shared a lot. Not legally, but it shared a lot and a lot of data. And a number of the students, about forty percent of the students at the university, had downloaded Napster and they were sharing music, as people are wont to do. When you got music, you want to share it with your friends. Well, we were trying to bring up directory servers. You know, I won't for the audience, with great details, but when you bring up a directory service, basically the directory has to talk to a previous directory in the chain so that it can get all the current directory information. And then that synchronization has to be ongoing because you don't want you know, one directory that's six months old, another directory that's 11 months old, and one directory that's three minutes old because the three-minute old one will be the right one, the other two will be wrong. So. We were trying to replicate those directories, and we couldn't do it. We couldn't complete it because the network was truly saturated. If we'd had SD-WAN back then, we literally could have routed that Napster traffic down to a tiny little pipe, and we would not have had any issue with the production network. As it was, we had to go to the CIO of the university and later to the president of the university, and the president of the university had to ban Napster because of what it was doing. So that's kind of a why wan story.
0: All right, perfect. Well, once again, guys, we're at the use cases part of this podcast series here. And Brett, I know you had a great one to add last time when it came to security, but wanted to see if you wanted to start this response again when it comes to use cases for transitioning from stage two to three.
1: Sure. I'll hit one and then I'll let Scott, because he has, a again, a great deal of experience with our customers, being a solution architect that works with them every day, moving from endpoint detection response to managed detection response. So if in the efficient network stage, you're using endpoint detection response, along with a SIEM, that security information and event management system, you can respond to most threats, but you're still going to have to do a lot of correlation yourself on network threats, right? Your endpoints are pretty well protected, but your network as a whole, you're going to have to monitor and respond to Moving to managed detection and response, a number of government customers are interested in this. It's putting that blanket of coverage down on top of your entire network. And essentially what we're going to do with that is you will set up your seam to work with an orchestration platform into which you'll enter playbooks. Your playbook might be if you see an endpoint that appears to be compromised, not only do you have the endpoint remove the compromising software that's on it, But also, we want you to disconnect it from the network, or we want you to reset the user's account, right? That sort of thing. It takes that endpoint detection response and brings it up to the network level. So that's something that you can use to secure your entire network along with your SIEM and endpoint detection response. So a lot of interest in that.
0: Beautiful. All right. Scott, any use cases to share? Yeah, well, let's start off with the business one this time.
2: You know, networks cost money. And so do applications, and so do cloud services, and so do servers, and so do laptops, and so do cell phones. They all cost money. And that money is an investment by the organization. And in the case of the network, the investment is in the connectivity the network provides, both secure, as Brett talked about, but also fast and efficient. So when we think about from a business perspective, as government entities begin to consider moving down the path of maturity and trying to get to the next level of maturity, one of the things that they begin to understand is the better at IT, the better at networking that you get, the less money you actually spend on it. Remember I mentioned earlier the concept of proactive versus reactive IT. Customers always say, no, no, we don't want proactive. IT's too expensive. Well, actually, proactive IT solves problems before they happen. Reactive IT solves problems while they're up to their neck in alligators. So you want to be thinking about the cost savings that you as an organization can get as you progress up the maturity level, because things always cost less if you automate them and do them over and over and over. There was a guy, I think his name was Ford. And he sat down and said, you know, it costs too much money to make a car. We can do it cheaper. What I'm going to do is put a big, long belt in the middle of a barn, and I'm going to put parts on that belt, and I'm going to put human beings alongside both sides of that belt, and I'm going to have them put together the parts as they roll down this, what he would call, assembly line. And on the end of that assembly line, you'd get a Ford Model T. Which, by the way, contrary to popular rumor, came in any color you wanted, as long as you wanted black. So the concept of maturity in the IT world is the same concept. It's the assembly line. It helps you get from where you are to where you want to be. So the first business, first case is the business reality of saving money. The second business case is kind of interesting because what we're going to talk about on the next podcast, a little preview for you there, Matt. What we're talking about in the next podcast is really exciting and really kind of, you know, futuristic and proactive IT kind of embracing. But the reality is this first step, this big step into, as Brett mentioned, endpoint protection and past endpoint protection, you know, into network protection is this concept now of network resilience. As we deploy SD-WAN and other things like that, we begin to build this concept of network resilience. We have multiple connections to locations, which means if one goes down, the other is up. Look, the reality is if you're connected via a Fios connection and a 10 gig Ethernet connection, if the 10 gig Ethernet connection goes down, you know, fiber seeking backhoe severs the, you know, your fiber connection to the Verizon network. So we're going to do whatever we can to route around that. But the likelihood is if it's right by your building and the, Cable was cut. We're going to have to send a human being out to fix it. It's a sad reality. And so you're going to go down to your your one gig files connection. Well, you know, we can all do the math. 10 minus one is nine gig you no longer have. So you're not going to have the same optimal network experience, but you're still going to have a network experience. You're still going to be up and running. And that's the power of that initial step into SD-WAN. So case one, you're saving money. Case two, your network is more
0: resilient. All right, perfect. Well, guys, really appreciate your time here on our second podcast in the series. And we are at the parting shots question. Brett, anything
1: to add here before we sign off? Absolutely. So this from efficient to enhanced is the transition point at which we find many customers. And again, it's critical to choose a solid partner. That's, I would say, the most critical thing to help make the leap from basic to efficient to enhanced. Advanced networking, like all networking, can be very complex, but even more so, right? Customers need an experienced partner with solid service-level agreements to walk them through the journey systematically, especially those with robust regulatory requirements, like virtually all government customers, right? No customer can afford network downtime or security exposure or a violation of their regulatory requirements. So you need an experienced partner that's experienced with those things specifically, to help you along the journey.
0: Excellent. Scott, any parting shots? I think Brett covered it brilliantly. He's absolutely right. The
2: concept of having the right partner is critical. The other concept I think that is really important as customers move, you know, we're on the fourth or sixth phases here. And, you know, is to begin looking at kind of planning for what's next at each stage, right? Every time you move a stage, you go, you know, all the way from basic and then and now we're sitting in hand you, know, you need to plan the next phase. You need to make sure you fully understand and you rock what it is that you ultimately need to be doing. That's why I can't echo what Brett said any better than the way he said it, which is that partner's critical. They are going to be the ones that are going to walk with you, by you, but they're also the ones that have been there before. There's something to be said as you're wandering up your maturity journey about having somebody that's been there before. I think the ultimate analogy for that, you know, is the reality of parents and children. Why are parents such a big factor in children's lives? Ultimately, because they've been there. They've done those dumb things. (laughs) They know why you don't stick your hand on the stove. But, you know, they're there to guide, to help, and to be the partner with that child as the child matures. And that's how critical the partner is as you head down this journey to the network tomorrow.
0: Awesome, well, this concludes this episode of the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider, where Brett Fargan's Product Manager at Verizon and Scott Anderson discussed transitioning from steps two to three in an agency's NAS journey. And Brett and Scott, once again, thanks for joining us in this series.
1: Thanks, thanks for having you. me.